We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's True Faith Weekly Podcast. Uh, I'm Chris Shipman uh, here with Mickey Carling and Paul Lyon to talk to you following Newcastle's 2-1 defeat in West London against Chelsea. Uh, Stamford Bridge, which leaves us in the drop zone after Burnley, Southampton and Cardiff uh, all either won or drew. Uh, Mickey and Paul, how are you guys doing? Very good, Chris. I'm alright. Hello, hello. Hi. Um, just quickly before we begin, um, today's podcast uh, is sponsored by our patrons uh, who pay us £5 a month uh, for around 20 extra shows. Uh, you can sign up at patreon.com. Uh, patron with an E, uh, patreon.com slash TF podcast. Uh, and we're also supported by Fansbet, uh, a unique gaming company who share 50% of their net profits um, with supporters. Uh, and we'll have links to, to both of them in the description to this podcast. Um, but if, of course, you, you don't gamble already, uh, don't start on our account. Um, so, guys, let's get cracking. Uh, how did you both take in the match and what were your expectations beforehand? Uh, Mickey, I'll come to you first. So yesterday um, I watched it at home on my phone <laughs> and then for the final 15 minutes I was travelling up to my dad's house so I watched it on my phone in the car using my data which is the first time I've ever done that um, and I had to walk down, I, I live on like a pedestrianised road and I had to walk, there's no streetlights or anything like that and I had to walk down for my girlfriend like 15 minutes before the end of the end of the match to the car in the dark and she was like, use a torch with you and I was like, wow, <laughs> the match is on. <laughs> Which didn't go down too well. But um, yeah, I watched it on my phone, which far from ideal, but it was part of my plan to get BT Sport for free. Um, so, canny, canny enough. Um, my thoughts beforehand were uh, contrary to what most of the lads said on the Match Day podcast, which uh, patrons will have already heard. If you haven't, uh, sign up. It's worth it. Um, I was quite quite optimistic, weirdly. I don't know what it I don't know what it was, but I, I kind of always feel like that when, when we play the big teams. I feel like Rafa's got it in it to pull a result out the bag and I, I really fancied we yesterday. Um and I kind of feel I know we'll come on to it a bit later, but I kind of feel a, my, my my optimism was almost almost justified by the performance. Um so yeah, I was I was reasonably optimistic and I thought we had a I thought we had a, a good chance of getting a point and the you know, a sneaky Sneaky ten percent of coming away with, with the three, mm. which unfortunately we didn't manage. But um, yeah, just in, in case anyone wonders, so watching the match on your phone on your own, walking down the street <laughs> and sitting in the car is, is a shame <laughs> way to watch it. Um, do your best to get the problem. <laughs> Paul, how about you? Um, I was at home. Um, my missus was at work, so I was in charge of my our two two uh, children. 
Um, because of that, uh, the five half five kickoff uh, coincided with bath time, so I had five live. The the uh, the warblings of David Pleat um, for the first half, and then <laughs> and then I had. Uh, which to be fair to David Pleat, he uh, he seemed to have uh, our back on a couple of points in terms of uh, the state of the squad and spending and that. So fair play to him, but. Um, that's the first time I've listened listened to Five Live in a long time. But um and then second half I watched it on a tablet uh through BT Sport. Um I was actually joined by uh by my three year old Ben uh, for a good ten minutes. Uh, for a good yeah. ten minutes he was like, Oh football, black and white I was like, Aye, that's it, United jump I was like, Aye. <laughs> That's right. I was go- I was gonna get it <laughs> I was gonna get him on the pod like, but it's well past his bedtime like. But um <laughs> well next time we'll record earlier again, <laughs> as a guest yeah that poor kid just that poor kid's just gonna be cursed like the rest of us yeah. the rest of well us I've said it before we didn't get away with it did we so uh, there's no way there's no way he's getting away with it um, he's, he's following the, he's following the tune whether he likes it or not <laughs> but um, yeah I shared a bit of optimism with uh, with Mickey when we uh, when we did the uh, the preview Um I was well, I, I was convinced it was going to be like one nil Rondon. I'd said it so many times and I was absolutely convinced it was going to happen until obviously mm. eight minutes in. But we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, a quick quick point on the coverage, by the way. Um, both of us obviously watch mm. on BT Sport. I can't remember his name, but their like referee on the sidelines, which is a feature that I generally hate in in modern day mm. football anyway, was the most biased prick that could possibly have got like every decision they went to went to him on like he just he just went completely against Newcastle and it was always wrong and I, I, I was getting more and more angry over the course of the game yesterday just thinking like who is this fucking manga they've got this is his job like this he's getting paid to sit there and tell the the TV audience that the the biased referee was correct like unbelievable! <laughs> mm. I didn't. Well, I was sorry, out. I, I, I sorry, didn't. I game. didn't quite catch that. I literally started uh, the second half, like uh, on the on the um, on the tablet, like as the second half started. But um, I did notice like the commentator. I was there. Uh, he didn't seem to like to brag that much. Like he was like, "Oh, he's caught in no no man's <laughs> land yet again." No, he's came out. He's actually got a hand on the ball, and it's uh, it's out of safety. But um, but never mind that. Uh, Literally made a I, save at that point, didn't he? He, he made, did. He I, saved it, um, but never mind. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was spared the the perils of BT Sports coverage because uh, uh, me and uh, a bunch of the other True Faith guys uh, went down to watch it live. Uh, although I did nearly have my eyebrows singed off, uh, such was all the pyro <laughs> that they were uh, blasting before the kickoff. Uh, it got pretty hot in there, um, but yes, yeah, so we had a really good day. Um, get on the beers early. Uh, me, Norman, and John. Um, and uh, yeah, met up with the other guys in central London and they headed out west. Uh, Chelsea is not really a place that I, I really want to be drinking before a match, but um, you know, match aside, it was a, a little bit of the match, I guess. You know, it was a, it was a really nice day, uh, really good. Um, yeah, if kind of a little bit chilly and, and wet. Um, yeah, 
What was the what was the kind of atmosphere in and around like before the match around the ground and in the in the pubs? Uh, yeah, I mean the pubs that we went to were a little bit mo- uh, further away from the ground, so we uh, we didn't kind of get uh, you know in with like Chelsea fans or too many other Newcastle fans. There were a couple of others uh, around, uh, but the atmosphere as we were kind of going up to the ground was fairly good. Although of course uh, there are are the usual kind of half and half scarf sellers, so there was a degree of kind of you know tourist crowd there. Um, and uh, there might have been some kind of uh, some insults hurled at a couple of them uh, by a couple of members of the True Faith group who will remain anonymous. Um, Norman, wasn't it? <laughs> was Norman. Well, well, I, I can't confirm those either. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, generally the atmosphere is kind of pretty good uh, going up there. But I mean, I don't know if you guys have been to Stamford Bridge before, but for those that haven't, uh, it's not the most kind of delightful stadium. It's kind of a cross between a car park and a, a kind of 1990s shopping centre. Right. Um, you kind of, uh, you go to a place like Brentford and they have a pub on every corner. If you go to a place like Chelsea, I, I kind of feel like there should be an HMV on every corner. <laughs> it's that kind of really soulless kind of vibe. Um, but yeah. Um, so the match itself, uh, I'm sure that we all know what, what happened then at 2-1. Uh, going in at the break, 1-0, uh, uh, thanks to Kieran Clark clawing back uh, a goal. Um, reaction to the performance, I think generally from my point of view, and all this, well, not all the stuff I've seen, uh, Rio Ferdinand and Richard Keyes, maybe not so much, but reaction generally uh, from supporters seemed to have been pretty positive. Um, so I wonder what how optimistic you guys are uh, about the kind of short and long-term future um, after yesterday and why. Um, Mickey, I'll go to you first. Oh, nice. Well, I um, I think we could take a lot of credit out of the performance yesterday and, and for a good, maybe a good third of that match, we were the better side, like the middle third um, saved their second goal, which was incredibly frustrating. Um, I thought we were the better side and we... we we actually created a lot more than, than I expected and, and probably in the first half we had more chances than them which which almost never happens with Newcastle um, and I think we touched on it we touched on it last week when Rafa's been really up against it and we've dropped in the relegation zone he's kind of gone with a slightly different outlook in the match and been, been more attacking than, than expected and I think we kind of did that yesterday and to go to, to go to Stamford Bridge and do that is you know it's not it's not easy so I think to, to take that performance on to next week the, the lads will be feeling a lot better than, than they, they probably expected. Um, however, the, yeah, you have to look at the result and, and, and the overall picture after the, the weekend is looking a lot more bleak than it was on the way mm. in. Every other result went as badly as it could have. Um, and we're now in the relegation zone, so it makes, it makes next weekend such a massive, massive game. I, I almost don't want to answer the question about how optimistic I am until after the weekend because everything now hinges on Cardiff and I think you know the a result either way changes that answer completely mm. we, if we if we lose next weekend I think we're fine. Yeah. whereas if we win next weekend I think we'll carry the momentum on and, and probably be safe I think it's that important yeah uh, Paul how about you yeah um, I can't really disagree with uh, Mickey what he said there um, it is it does a lot a lot hinging on that on that Cardiff game now but um I mean, like you say, the, the the fans' reaction afterwards seemed to be quite positive because um, we're, we're certainly like sort of showed showing the fight that kept up like last season, um, and we're, we are going through like a, a tough run of fixtures, and you know, we've got another few coming up. I think that there is like sort of light at the end of the tunnel that there is a few more like 
winnable per se uh, fixtures to arrive like before the end of the season, which is which we're pretty much hanging my hat on, but um, which is not a great situation to be in. But um, yeah, um, I did get, sort of uh, gather a bit of um, sort of uh, some frustration from the fans uh, just on Twitter like uh, last night at the um, at the last minute corner, and I do. Uh, oh yeah, that was bad. yeah. Um, but like, ah, for for, I didn't really sort of get. I wasn't that bothered by it because they, like, when I was watching the game, I got a, an update through my phone saying it was full time two one in the corner. I was just about to be taken like on on my stream. <laughs> so I was just like, well, Spoiler. yeah. So, so I was just like, ah, oh, totally, totally like doesn't really matter. So. I didn't. I didn't really understand how people that were like really like keen, like keen to like sort of have a go at that. And I was like, oh right. And I said, I think I tweeted something along the lines of like, well, the short corner weren't against Burnley, so weren't aren't they just trying that? And uh, mm. and I've since watched like match of the day, and and Rafa kicks off with with when with our equaliser because it's not the corner that he that he set out for the for the <laughs> for the players to like do as a set piece. Um, so. I don't know what what there is to sort of garner from that, but it seems like they've had a, like a, a he's had a bit of a word at half time, um, which I suppose is good in a way because the players are listening to him. But um, yeah, looking back, like maybe we should have uh, should have hide that in the box, considering obviously that Clark Clark's goal would come directly from the corner. Um, mm. You've done a cracking job of playing. Oh, I know. <laughs> That that corner should have gone yeah. in the fucking box. I was fuming. Mm. What the thing? Exactly. Score from a corner? Like would literally score from yeah. a corner in that game? Put it in the box. What was it? What was the th- thoughts in the ground, uh, Chris? Yeah, I think equally kind of frustrated. There was kind of a, a groans is kind of putting it mildly. There was some audible, uh, strong frustration, uh, you know, at that corner. So it's definitely not something that was just confined to watching it on the TV. Uh, you know, it's an opportunity to kind of claw back a point right at the death there, mm. and you know, with the, you know, with the strength that we've got in the air uh, from that side, you know, there, there was there was possibility, there was options there, and it was disappointing, mm. uh, you know, to revert to that short corner with that kind of, um, you know, just seconds left, you know, at that point in the game, you know, I think you have to kind of hit it and hit it and hope a bit. Yeah. Um, it was, I, for me, it was too conservative, and I don't know. Why it, I, it beggars belief? Why Richie made that decision? But yeah, I mean, there you go. I thought I thought yeah. it was bizarre mm. and infuriating. You don't want to hang too much on on one minor decision, mm. but on the off chance, it, had we put it in the box, we would have had a better chance of scoring than we did from that stupid short corner. There's, I don't think there's any doubt about that in that game at least, and in that yeah. in that time, if if it had gone in and would scored, we're looking at a point there. We're not in the relegation zone, and we're carrying a fucking mint away point away at Chelsea and scoring twice into the Cardiff game next week mm. It's a, and it's the picture's completely different I, I, I don't want to be one of those people that like picks up one moment and is like that's the fucking one but that felt really important there mm. I, don't, I don't know whether you've yeah. got that so. I know well, yeah, it sorry, was, it, I, I know someone said that Rondon pretty much went straight down the tunnel after that he was, he was that miffed and that but uh, yeah there were loads of them were fuming Rondon and Lascelles like were both like uh, visibly kicking off mm. Yeah, opportunity missed, but you know I guess there were positives as well. Uh, Sean Longstaff being one uh, first game, his his debut, his first start for the club, um, albeit you know as a result of kind of injury 
uh, and um, key missing at the Asia Cup. Um, I don't know what you guys thought about Longstaff. Was was he any good or is context everything? I.e. was he just good for a fifth choice central midfielder uh, and playing kind of uh, above himself? Um, Paul, do you want to take yeah, that Yeah, um, I thought he was decent. Um, you know, being thrown in at the deep end against a very good Chelsea side, um, especially with their midfielders as well. Um, and he didn't really, he doesn't, well, based on the performance, he doesn't really look like out of place in our current squad. Unfortunately, that doesn't really say a lot for him at the minute. Um, mm. So I, I, <laughs> I do get it. Like, I mean, unless he comes on and suddenly, like, Gives it like a Steven Gerrard type type of uh, performance, and um, he's he, I don't know, he, but he doesn't it doesn't really take a lot to stand out in our in our current situation. Um, but like to I think he deserves a lot of credit. Um, he seem he seemed to get, a, get a t- take a decent touch on the ball and seemed to be quite willing to pass it around. And you know uh, his range of passing was decent. Um, but yeah, it didn't like sort of set the world alight, but. You know, I was thinking. You know, he's, he's, it's, was it his full debut like yesterday? Yeah, his full full debut. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again against a, a decent Chelsea side who don't tend to lose at home. Um, so yeah, I thought he was, I thought he was fine, a decent eye. But like, let's say uh, whether he'd be like a uh, like a someone that we could sort of hang our hat on long term. I'm not sure about that, but I mean, it's very early days. Um, and if Hayden gets his move that he's that he's after, then I'm pretty sure we're going to see a bit more of him uh, towards the end of the season because I can't see we're like buying anybody, even though it's absolutely desperate in that centre midfield. Yeah, I mean, my my take on it was that you know he was he was solid enough. Uh, his his link up play with those around him, you know, he, a couple of good touches. He, you know, as you say, he didn't kind of set the world alight, uh, at least from my point of view, but, you know, solid and dependable enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the flip side of that is, you know, um, the kind of, that being the highlight and kind of, you know, the the great hope. Um, is that necessarily, you know, the best that we can have? Um, somewhat kind of disappointing. Um, Mickey, what were your thoughts on long stuff? I thought I thought he had a really good game, and I think I think I've seen some criticism among from from the lads, uh, from the podcast lads that I think was a bit unfounded. A couple of points on on Longstaff's um, on Longstaff's week, I would say that I've got here. Paul, Paul and I agreed on the um, on the preview show. Like, imagine being him this week, and he finds out that Chelsea's injured, and he finds out Diarmi is injured, and Key's injured, and in. Career or where, wherever he is for the Asia Games, and he's thinking, "Fucking hell, like I'm gonna have to play at the weekends against Kante, Kovacic, Jorginho in my first game in the Premier League <laughs> at Stamford Bridge." Like he must have been fucking shitting himself. And then I thought, from minute one, it didn't look like that at all, and I thought he he got properly stuck in. Um, second thing I wanted to say is if 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 I said to you, and you weren't Newcastle fans, you'd never seen Newcastle United play before, but you knew you knew a bit about football, and you you knew the crack. If I'd said to you, one of those two midfielders today is making the debut in the Premier League and has never played, has played, has played like twenty minutes of Premier League football, which one would you have picked? Oh yeah, I mean, I don't think he, he was necessarily cowed by the occasion. You'd, I think, for my money, you would you would have a tough time kind of picking. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he looked any less experienced than Hayden. You know, to put it mildly, I definitely don't think he did. And it, Longstaff didn't lose the ball from memory. 
I might be wrong, but look, for me, Longstaff didn't lose the ball, and he certainly didn't lose the ball in dangerous positions, which Hayden did a couple of times. So I thought Longstaff was the better of our two midfielders, and I think if you put Longstaff in the team with a better midfielder, I think he would he would look like a better player. I think I think he's been unfairly judged uh, based on his uh, on his centre mid counterpart there, and that might seem a bit unfair on Hayden, who I've said time and again puts a hundred percent in, but I just don't think he cuts it in the Premier League, um, which, like I said, is a bit harsh, but it's 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 true, and I think if you put if you put Longstaff alongside Key. I think he would look like a, a much much better player, and he's someone you know. He might not make it in the castle. He might not. He might not become our our number seven in centre mid. But I think he'll have a decent footballing career. He looks like a good player. Mm. Yeah. Well, we shall see. Uh, turning attention to to the stands for a moment. Oh, sorry. Final thing I want to say about Longstaff. I don't know if you noticed this in the ground, but like two minutes to go, we were kind of struggling by this point, and we sort of knew the game was gone. And I think it was Jorginho sort of got past him and he just halfed him like, <laughs> I really seen that dirty tackle and I was just like get in son like that's <laughs> class that's what we need um, and I have the confidence to do that on the telly in, the prim- in like on your Premier League debut mm. away from home I thought was mint so that's off for that mate <laughs> not that he's going to listen but yeah um, so as I was saying so attention turning to to the stands uh, now so uh, Mike Ashley attended his first match in two months Uh Question being, what what really should we make of this? Is is it simply that he's back from a very long holiday, lying on a sun lounger in the Dominican Republic? What a horrible image that is! Or or is there a perhaps more sinister reason uh, for his return? Um, Paul, uh, what should we make of Mike Ashley's return? Um, well, who knows what goes through that uh, that man's head? Um, I don't know. He's just in London, fancy the game. Um, he's certainly not there to talk to Rafa, is he? Um, no, no. Yeah, I don't know why he just gets a kick out of receiving abuse or giving the Geordies a run around, you know. It's just like going all cloak and dagger trying to get into the ground. He just loves the buzz or something. Um, but I don't know. Ashley, when Ashley's on the scene, it's never normally good. So um, I've got I've got no idea what his reasoning is because unless he's there trying to like make a sale or something like that. Um, or, or just checking out the squad to see, you know, who can I sell? Um, He's probably checking out their uh, their club shop to see if he could, uh, you know, offload some of his time. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the the sports direct uh, Chelsea branch. I can just imagine that. Like, but um, but no, nah, I've got I've got no idea. Let's like, see. Any time he's uh, reared his ugly head in the past, it's never been good. So. Um, I don't know why he was there. I mean, apart from the fact that he owns the bloody club, like, um, and he should be at most games. But um, nah, I don't know what his motivation was this this time round. And I've spent many t- <laughs> it's probably too much time trying to figure out what he's what he's uh, thinking, like. But um, yeah, did you did you know when you were in the ground that he'd be there? No, I, I didn't know until afterwards. Um, other people, as as with uh, Palace, might have picked up at half-time, um, but I wasn't aware until afterwards. I, I mean, there was the usual amount of uh, singing uh, songs about Mike Ashley. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't aware of it. Mm. Yeah, well... Mm. Mickey? You're right, you know, Paul, it's weird It's weird to think that, like, it's a talking point that the, the owner of Newcastle yeah. goes to the match. Like, and it becomes a talking point. It's, it's fucking ridiculous, isn't it? But... It, it it does have to be addressed because it's weird. This, 
every time he's there, there's something going on, and it's it's never gonna be positive. Like, let's be honest, nothing, nothing he does by appearing in public is for any benefit other than singularly Mike Ashley. So there's there's something there's something in it, but it's not something that's gonna be good news for us. I I also kind of think that he just kind he just maybe wanted to show his face and be like, hello lads, I'm still here ruining <laughs> your fucking lives. Anyone fancy a pizza? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's I, I don't know. It's bizarre. Like he's a, he's a bizarre, strange man, and I, I'd love to I'd love to spend a day with him and just ask him questions about his decision making, and like why why he does what he does and how how he manages to make the soulless decisions that he does without feeling any like remorse. Mm. All right, well, from that kind of positive uh, outlook, uh, so the game itself, um, any other positives that you guys want to draw? Uh, we've talked about long stuff. Um, anything yeah, else? I think, I think keep, yeah. Clark, yeah. goal-scoring wonder. Uh, he, he seems to come in from the cold just to get where a goal, then. He's, was he second, second yeah. top scorer now or something? <laughs> he is, and uh, I, I saw an interesting stat about this today. Um, so of, of players with at least 10 Premier League goals, uh, only two players... Uh, Hugo Ehiog and uh, David Weatherall uh, have scored a higher percentage of their goals with their head than Kieran Clark, which is 83%. So if you want someone in the box to kind of get you a goal in the 90th minute and Matt Ritchie's taking a corner, <laughs> you definitely want Kieran Clark in there and you definitely want to hit it in there. Um, that is, that is Just quite, get in the box, yeah. yeah. Just get in the box, lads. <laughs> quite, quite some stat there. Another, an, another interesting stat about um, Kieran Clark's goal scoring this season. He's, he's now scored more than... Perez and the entire Newcastle midfield combined. Oof. That's, I mean, that's just absolutely. I think he's not even like, the f- like on the first team. Uh, like the first, the first of the eye. It's like games. it's that's baffling. Like what what we're doing, but I mean the, the way we play doesn't help. Like but um, when we like last season we had we had people sort of chipping in with goals, um, and that that's a massive difference. That is not happening this time round. Um, mm. But still on the positive side, I thought Lejeune looked good as well. Yes, aside from aside from their second goal, where I think he was, you know, a lot of fingers have been pointed at Yedlin, yeah. but at least from where I was, uh, Lejeune, you know, he could have done better there as well, although albeit not maybe quite as culpable. But generally, aside from that, you know, big fan of Lejeune, as I think we all are uh, on the pod. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's a fucking genius. Is. Need need him need him from like you know now what? until the end of the season. We need him in there, definitely. He has to play, doesn't he? As much as we've gone on about how we've got a great set of centre backs, Lejeune's head and shoulders above the rest of them. Um, I really want to see him and Shea in the same team. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was the weekend to do it, but it hasn't happened. But think about think about the range of passing that we have from our centre halves if those yeah. two are playing together. It was talk about best Sorry, best the. I, I was talking about potentially putting Cher in, um, in midfield yesterday. I don't know how that would work, like because I think he's capable, but it's not what we're signing him for, was it? So I don't know. No, I'm, the thing, like the thing about that is he's he's clearly got this kind of passing ability to play in that position, but I, I would be surprised if he positionally mm-hmm. was any good and on the ball. You know, it's not just it's not just about passing. You have to be able yeah. to be the man and. And take the correct kind of touch and find the space. And I don't know whether he could have done it. I I wouldn't have been pleased to see yeah. him in centre mid, unless it was a, if if it was, 
as part of a three-man midfield in front of a two-man defence, and he was the anchor. Same with Lejeune, I think he could probably do that role as well, and then it wouldn't have been so bad. But to have him in a two in front of a back three would have been so, so negative. Right, uh, I think that unless you guys have anything else, I think that just about wraps things mm. up. Um, just just a few things to, to tell you guys about before before we go. Um, upcoming podcasts for patrons this week uh, have, a, have a bunch, including uh, Prem Pata uh, from a London drinking den of Norman Riley's choice. Uh, God help us. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow, uh, I think we might be doing a Blackburn match day. I'm not sure uh, about that. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Thank you, Mickey. Uh, yeah, me, me does and Paul are going well, down. I definitely want to check out. Uh, worth the five pound patron fee for the month alone, <laughs> I think maybe. Uh, uh, Cardiff preview, uh, Cardiff match day, uh, and for those of you who like to uh, take a little trip down memory lane, uh, as it was when it was, uh, as well as I'm sure uh, much, much more. Uh, and then just finally, if, if you like what we do and enjoy the podcast, uh, enjoy the content we put out, please do uh, spread the word, uh, give us a review. Uh, or, or share our content uh, and do also check out um, our revamped uh, social media pages which have a host of, of new and exclusive content uh, in particular uh, Facebook and YouTube uh, you can find them by searching uh, True Faith and UFC and they should pop up fantastic quick yep. quick one lads before we go then final question phase looking ahead to next week do you play the same 11 and the same system Chris, I'll ask you first. Oh. Have you haven't had any questions? Uh, I mean, this all is kind of. Uh, I mean, this is this is assuming that Diame's out because if Diame's fit, he has to come back in uh, for me. Um, I, in terms of options, I don't really see what else we have. I mean, I would like to see Fernandez back, of course, if he's fit. But you know, if the injury situation is the same, uh, and if we have no players coming back from the Asian Cup anytime soon, you know, I can't unfortunately see if there's too much extra that we can do. Um, putting aside transfers because nothing will happen. Um, what do you guys reckon? Uh, I think it will be as it is. Um, just for the reason there that you said, Chris, I don't think there's a lot to shake it up. Uh, like um, quite effectively, so we've got like who, who was on the bench yesterday? Murphy, um, Murphy, Hosselu. Um, no, no midfielders, uh, obviously. But we had we had no central midfielders on the bench, which is just absurd for a Premier League team. It is. I have to say, I disagree with both. I would be I would be bitterly disappointed to see five at the mm. back on Saturday. There's no need. Cardiff are shite going forward. Yes. Terrible. So we do not need to have three centre halves on the pitch. Now that that leads me to the to the next question. Assume you can assume that Fernandez is going to be fit because he wouldn't have been on yeah. the bench otherwise. Yeah. Does he come in and who does he come in for? Uh, I think we can presume the clock drops. Uh, clock drops out the three definitely, and we've got Lejeune and Lascelles are left. Which which of those two do you bring, Fernando? I mean, for, for me, it's good. Or, it's an easy answer. If it's for those two, um, I think Lascelles. I mean, I, I'm really have been hugely impressed by Fernandez uh, this season. He's been one of the standouts, one of the few standouts. Um, I want to see more of him, uh, and you know. The Cells has not had the best season, albeit you know the last couple of games. I think he's been a bit more solid, but I just think for the sake of mixing it up, and I I, I think we need Fernandez in that side. Um, I I would bring him in for for the Cells. Yeah, I'll go with that. I think I think we will revert Paul? back to like a four a four in defence, just based on that's how we play against Blackburn. I think you might have been looking at things then. Um, so I would like to see Lejeune and Fernandez in there. That would be a uh, 
I think that would be my best bet. Like, Agreed. Finally, I, I've got another question for you, sorry. Because um, I'd completely forgotten, despite the fact that mm-hmm. we're going, Paul, I forgot, <laughs> and that we've just mentioned it, I forgot that we had Blackburn <laughs> yeah. before Cardiff. Um, out of the team that started yesterday, who are you unwilling to risk in this game? Who's too important to play? Uh, <coughs> I, I mean, it pains me to say Rondon, mm-hmm. uh, because obviously I have been kind of in two minds about whether he should have played in that first leg anyway. Um, but if we lose him, we're fucked. Um, so, I mean, I'm kind of probably, I would slightly err on the side of keeping Rondon out and that, I feel bad about that because, you know, I think he needs to be in there, but I probably wouldn't, probably on the face of it, wouldn't risk him. Yeah. Paul, anyone um, else? Well, Rondon's an easy, uh, obvious one, but I think, well, the scene that uh, you took Dubrovka out as well, because, um, again, Without him, I think we're, we're struggling, but I think Lejeune will become that important as well towards the end of the season. But um, aye, I can see, I can see him, these these them well them three getting rested now. Um, but we'll, uh, I suppose we'll, we'll wait and see. It needs to be. It needs to be at least those three, doesn't it? But think about think about this. Imagine if we play. Well, we'll have to play Hayden and Longstaff in the middle. Imagine if one of them gets injured. Like we literally don't have anything worth thinking about. It's not worth thinking about. We'll just have to start it. Right. What a sour note. Leave it on. (laughs) We'll just have to take a boot up of the match, lads. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Right, and on that hopeful note, uh, maybe you guys will be getting your debuts uh, following (laughs) long stuff uh, (laughs) next week. Right. um, See you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.